All right, gentlemen. Start of the new year. First episode of recording in 2019. Let's talk race relations in America. Three white dudes. We'll solve it. The cast of Sober <laughs> Cinema. We got this. I personally think that uh, so far, white guys have a pretty good track record of solving <laughs> anything and everything. In our own way, yes. <laughs> Scotch on the rocks, please. Any scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, single malt, Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps, maybe a Glengow, any Glen. Light runs on. I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? Just a drink. A martini, shaken, not stirred. I don't want to be too leftist. Some of the shit they did is the reason I'm I'm here in America. <laughs> so <laughs> some things I'm thankful for why I can point my finger and say you did a bad thing. But thank you also for <laughs> secretly <laughs> here. Thank you. <laughs> so trying not hmm. to talk out of both sides of my mouth, although I think we'll get a little bit of that um, in the documentary we have, our forgotten film. This one's going to be easy this week. We're going back to the weekend of January 6th through the 8th. 2017 so two years ago when hidden figures opened in wide release to be fair this was its third weekend but the first time uh, most people got access to it it was the number one movie at the box office on that particular weekend with 22.8 million dollars on 2400 screens here's a comparison uh opening weekend accidental courtesy which uh, and someone, one of you can jump in here and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's still on Netflix. I watched this a couple correct. months ago. Yeah, it is. Okay, still on Netflix as of uh, this recording today. Um, that one opened on one screen and made $1,400. For one week. <sighs> not, too su- <laughs> not too surprising. I mean, <laughs> first off, I would say it's a fairly bad title. And also when the subtitle is uh, probably a person you don't know, Daryl Davis, race in america i can see people saying yeah i'm gonna go with the space movie (laughs) space movie kevin costner yeah that's not too bad we'll do that instead so true mainstream film and a forgotten film and we're gonna we're gonna see uh if history got it right two years ago jared what's the give me some quick numbers as far as the total box office for each and the rotten tomato scores yes sir uh 169.6 million domestic for hidden figures on a 25 million dollar budget big hit um, really big hit. It's a ninety-three percent across the board, both critics and audiences. Accidental courtesy. I think we've pretty much already covered that. I couldn't find any budget info on that, uh, other than you know the camcorders and Daryl <laughs> Daryl's time. <laughs> they wanted it's to estimate travel, uh huh, his per diems and such. Yeah, a lot of food. Eighty-three yeah. percent um, for the critics, eighty-five percent for the audience. Okay. I I think. Uh, which one do you all want to? Start with first. I feel like Hidden Figures will be the easier one to talk about. Not only because people will probably know what that is, but uh, as the mainstream film, it's probably similar to things you've seen before. If you're not totally familiar with the story, it fits within a certain type of movie. I think I'd agree with that, yeah. I'll save the two okay. votes. I think we should save <laughs> Daryl Davis' race <laughs> in America for the end of the show. Let's start out well and uh, end up into a flaming, uh, yeah... 
Hmm. No crime in a broken down car. No crime being Negro neither. Button it up, Mary. Nobody wants to go to jail behind your mouth. I do my best, shooter. Not a great place for three y'all be having car trouble. We didn't pick the place, officer. It picked us. You being disrespectful? No, sir. You have identification on me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're just on our way to work at Langley. NASA, sir. We do a great deal of the calculating. Getting our rockets into space. All three of you? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yes, officer. NASA? That's some. I had no idea they hired. There are quite a few women working in the space program. Damn Russians are watching us right now. Sputniks. You girls ever meet those astronauts? Mercury 7? Absolutely. Uh, yes. Sir, we work with those gentlemen all the time. Those boys are the best we got. I'm sure of that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got to get a man up there before the commies do. Absolutely. Whole damn country's counting on them. That's <laughs> for certain. Hard being of service is broken down on the side of the road, though. Right, right. Uh, what, y'all need a tow or something? No, thank you, officer. I, I think I got to just give me my... Just need to bypass the starter. <laughs> She's good at this stuff. All set. Well, hell, at least I can do is give y'all an escort. I imagine you're running late to work. Oh, no, so we wouldn't want to bother that you. That would be wonderful, officer. Thank you so much, sir. Follow me. I'm driving. Hurry up, George, before he changes his mind. We're coming. Oh, I'll, I'll admit that uh, Hidden Figures, I had uh, not much interest in this when it came out a couple years ago um, for kind of what I just said. Like, I feel like I've seen that movie before i don't know the particulars i don't know who these uh, women are Catherine johnson and uh, mary jackson dorothy vaughn uh, that uh, apparently had a lot to do with our success as a country and our space program um but i went to see it because i see a lot of movies and uh it was sort of the i guess more populous or oscar uh, contender that year and i have to admit that during that season, I actually was far more favorable to it than most of the film Twitter that I was sort of surrounded by. Um, and I think it was maybe those populist leanings that were initial, that was an initial turnoff for me that I actually gravitated towards when I finally watched the damn thing, that <laughs> it's actually enjoyable for an Oscar contender. It's kind of fun at times. So I'll, uh, I'll toss it to the elder statesman here <laughs> on this because Jared's the young pup. Josh, <laughs> you and I are a similar age. Jared's the the young stud on this show. A full year, Jared. I, you know, I try to, I try to redirect your character on this show, and you you just you just ruin it. I, I try to give you something, and all right, it's fine. We're all the same age. We don't know what we're talking about. But Josh, what I do know about you is that you like space movies. I think a little bit more than Jared. Yeah, if I recall our right stuff conversation. Mm -hmm. You were more into it, into the idea of watching it. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, it's actually interesting because this is still involving the same time period and you know uh the moments of nasa you know trying to get john glenn uh 
mm-hmm. up into space and everything. So there's a lot of comparisons you can kind of draw as as to um who the those two movies are identifying as the heroes of the story and who's right. putting in yeah. the work and stuff. Uh so yeah that this was an inter- an interesting way of kind of um a spoonful of sugar with your medicine in terms of it's a movie that's going to you know, hit on subjects that are always a little heavier. Anytime you're talking about race relations, especially during the civil rights movement and everything, but uh, you're doing it within the backdrop of the space race, which kind of you know it, it alleviates a little bit of that of that tension and also makes math a little more uh, adventurous. Yeah, yeah, a, it makes it kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, as which I know they have like. They kind of have like a little goodwill hunting moment where you know they're they're at the board and right. all that, but I think it's I think it's to what you're saying that it's that sort of surrounding. Here's what our goal is mm-hmm. that you don't even really care how they're doing it. You just know the the film is telling you they've had a breakthrough, mm-hmm. and that, right. that's all you really care about, right? And, and who it is that's having the breakthrough? Not the Big Bang Theory. Not the Big Bang Theory. Who <laughs> looks? Uh, mildly constipated throughout most of this film. <laughs> Interesting. I was gonna say, Jim Parsons looks like um about every probably every white person yeah. <laughs> when they're like, "Hey, you want to watch a movie called Daryl Davis Race in America?" <laughs> looks <laughs> scared, doesn't know what to say. Um, maybe a bit on the nose casting with him. That actually nothing against the guy, but that might have been uh. A bit too too perfect. The glove fits too well for Jim Parsons to be playing a uh, super mathlete. But I I tell you who I gravitated towards was uh, old uh, bad Santa alum Octavia Spencer here. <laughs> hey, Opal, come here. Uh uh-uh. uh, screw you, Willie, your kinky ass. Last time I didn't shit right for a week. No, it's not that. Just come here. I need to talk to you. How do you, Willie? Who the fuck is in my room? Did you see somebody go in my room? Yeah, some guy asking about you. Looked like a cop. Shit. By no means her character is like lesser than the other two. But she, her role is more, I guess, middle management. She's more team leader, sort of, than our our lead, played by Taraj P. Henson, uh, is the the Goodwill Hunting is the like genius level? She's on her own, working with a lot of white men um, in a position that they don't expect someone like her, not only a woman but a black woman, be able to like handle it. But Octavia Spencer is working with other black women and trying to fight for them as a group. And I, I think I liked the uh, I liked her because I liked that more I don't know blue collarish aspect of the character. That it's not, it's not just about her the individual. She's looking at the big picture as far as the next step. There's nothing projecting her character to be uh, genius level or, or anything like that. What I think maybe the defining moment is when she realizes that they're about to be replaced by computers. And mm-hmm. she determines, um, I need to do something about that. We need to make ourselves valuable. And she goes and rolls up her sleeves. She's smart. And I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not discrediting her, discrediting her intelligence. I mean, she works at NASA. But just in terms of like the people around her... Um, she knows the lay of the land. She knows she's the, motivated to be ahead of the curve. Then. Right, right. And she, ta- I mean, she just, she just says, you know, essentially, okay, we're gonna we're gonna learn this, you know. And, and she's, 
I don't know. They don't really show if she's sneaking in there, but she don't really. She's not supposed to be there. I don't suppose working on those computers. So she's, she's like, not scared of no. nine nine thousand like everyone else. Yeah, she just walks yeah. in and starts starts sweet talking. Yeah. those big machines. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in agreement with what you're saying. She's not she's not so much working with uh, a super intelligence, if you will, as much as just like that hard like. I'm going to learn this. I don't care how difficult it is or whatever. It's just the motivation of like, here's an here's an obstacle and I'm going to overcome it. And that's pretty cool. Now's the time when I talk about sweet talking, sweet machines. Ooh. We go to our host, the young buck in the gaming chair, <laughs> who's paused playing Fortnite for a moment. To I do not play Fortnite. I, with us. You can say whatever you want to say about me, but I don't play Fortnite anymore. <laughs> Them fighting words. There's a whole anymore. There's a whole punch in your wall that says otherwise. <laughs> Not anymore, <clears throat> dude. I, I take you as more of a uh, uh, Mary Jackson. I believe that's the character's name. I take you more as the the one with the the big rigs working with the like the uh, former, <laughs> presumably former Nazis helping us get us into space. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I did, I did like her character better. I guess you uh, uh, read my mind on that one. I knew but, it. Uh, I knew it. Nasty Hellcat goes to Washington. I'm joking there. But what in my mind, my warped mind, would make me think, hmm, of the three, that's that's Jared right there. That's <laughs> one Jared. <laughs> and why would I get that right? Uh, yeah, Janelle, Monet, and you. Pretty much the same She's thing. Sassy. There is another opening in the engineer training program. A person with engineer's mind should be an engineer. You can't be a computer the rest of your life. Mr. Zelensky, I'm a Negro woman. I'm not going to entertain the impossible. And I'm a Polish Jew whose parents died in a Nazi prison camp. Now I'm standing beneath a spaceship that's going to carry an astronaut to the stars. Let me ask you, if you were a white male, would you wish to be an engineer? I wouldn't have to. I'd already be one. Go ahead, Jared. There will be a sound clip. There will be some clip right there. What do you want to know? I was just waiting for Octavia to uh, bake the poop into the pie. I, I heard about that part. I didn't uh, know when that was going to happen. What? Huh? Did I miss something? <laughs> Explain yourself, Jared. I was making a, what is that, uh, the help joke or whatever flew over your heads. Oh, oh, I didn't watch the help. Jared's really ruining the, like, he's the young man on the show, and he's like, I, I know it's a good reference, the help. <laughs> that comedy. Can't get enough of it. Gotta add some levity. That actually kind of brings up a good point, though. Yes, dude. sir. We've, I mean, we've stumbled into it. I think that was some of the some of the wariness of this film. Now, as you said with the Rotten Tomato score, this got great mm. reviews. It was well-received. But I think initially there was some wariness, because I've seen some backlash to, like, the help. Uh, where it's like something that's happened in the past to comfort people. Like, well, I'm not like Big Bang Theory. I'm not racist like him. I'd be perfectly fine working with a black woman who's capable at her job, as opposed to tackling, you know, what's happening today. I see a lot of that criticism, but I also, I mean, I don't know how you you want to tell these people stories and you have to tell it accurate to the time period. Mm -hmm. Like you can't you can't cut ahead like some movies have done. Like I watched uh, Adam McKay's Vice, which I thought was fucking terrible, uh, because it posits that Dick Cheney is responsible for uh, you know uh, not only me not getting a race at work now in 2019, but also if I fall down the. You know, he probably had some sort of butterfly effect where he caused something to, to make me fall down at work. 
there's a little bit too much of that, like Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny trying to connect the dots uh, to where everything has to be about what's happening in our world currently. And I, I think that's a charge you can't hold against Hidden Figures for going into the past and showing that. Well, there's... I certainly... Go ahead. There's only so many ways that you can tell it. I mean, whenever you delve into history, I mean, there's the way it happened, and you can take your artistic license with it to try and tell it in a more, uh, you know, friendly... Um, something that you would want to watch at the theater and not walk out and feel awful about, but it, you still have to tell the story. So I, I don't know. It, it, I think it did a decent balance of it. It, it, it felt a little too uh, stereotypical movie ish on some of the, some of the beats that it has, but it, it's mm, like the pacing, yeah. like we hit our lessons. Yeah, at you, you get points. your lessons mm -hmm. and then you get your, you know, your surprises about, hey, I'm not actually racist. I'm actually trying to, you know, that stuff is a little bit cliche, but, you know, it's it's definitely not actually the climate of what happened to a lot of these people, but it, you still get the same point across, I, I believe. I think maybe for myself where I kind of toe the line on being okay with it and, you know, wary is... Uh, take, for instance, near the end of the film when um, Katherine Johnson, you know, does the uh, the the recheck of the numbers uh, before they launch uh, John Glenn into space. Um, there's like this kind of fun moment of her running back to uh, Mission Control with the papers and stuff. And then uh, she hands them the papers and then the door slams in her face and she starts to walk away. And uh, Al Harrison, played by Kevin Costner, like opens the door and gives her a pass, like, no, come in, you know. As a viewer, what I'm wondering is, okay, did that actually happen? Or is that a feel-good moment they're giving us in the movie? Like, did Al Harrison in real life actually, you know, take a step out there and feel like, no, she needs to be here for this? Or did that just get added into the movie because, hey, it makes us all feel good inside? Because I just want the, the accurate truth of the situation mm. you know like if, if it was good and happy then great and if maybe there was some cold moments where like uh, you know what she did all this hard work and the door was slammed in her face i i want to know that you know so i don't know i'm not saying it didn't happen like that and i you know i don't expect quote unquote true stories to pin every moment accurately but you know, I, I do like the mundane aspects right, of it. Right. But I do want to know some of those moments, like, okay, what are we sugarcoating maybe? Or yeah. is this the, the or is this the exact truth? And so again, I don't know. I, I haven't done that type of homework into it. I, I have no idea. But I, I hope that's how it went, you know, obviously. Well, there were two moments um that I didn't like in the movie. And it was funny that I remember at the time one of them got a lot of hate on Twitter. And one of them got a lot of love. And yet I I disliked them both equally. I, I was a hater on both counts for a guy that really liked the movie. Mm -hmm. And one was, I think it's, it may be a trailer moment. Uh, so th there's a lot of emphasis on Katherine Johnson being unable to use the bathroom facilities where she's now been moved to work with all these white men because she has to go use the restroom uh, like pretty much across campus mm -hmm. that has been designated for... Uh, people of color. And so there, it comes to a head finally. And the boss man, Kevin Costner of this, you know, the boss of this little group is wondering where the hell she is. Why is she not at her desk when he needs her? So on. And she has a huge blow up on him, dresses him down. Right. Pointing out the very thing. This is why I'm late. Sorry. I have to go to the bathroom, but 
you know, it's absurd, and she kind of lets loose. She finally unburdens herself of all the things that the audience is thinking, like, this is absurd, this is terrible to make her do this. That didn't happen. Now, in response to this, in the movie, he goes and... Does he take a bat or a hammer? He takes something. Like a crowbar or something, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Okay, and he removes the coloreds-only... Like, he basically says there's nothing that's going to distinguish these bathrooms anymore. And... That also did not happen. And people had a big issue with that, with Kevin Costner like making him more heroic in mm-hmm. response. But the problem is both hero moments there did not happen. Right. And so <laughs> I'm watching it, and I think ah, both of these feel kind of false. Like, it actually feels very out of character for her, mm-hmm. who has dealt with, you know, especially in this time period, has dealt with not only being a woman, being a black woman, that she would go off on the big boss man in front of a room and it goes on for so long that I don't think it's a rah-rah moment. It actually kind of feels a little awkward, even though what she's saying is right. But then you, in the turn, Kevin Costner thing also feels kind of awkward. He's like, really? <laughs> there wasn't a memo or something? He had to actually go out there and physically, like, I'll show you people <laughs> with a crowbar <laughs> that uh, we are all equal. You definitely see the strings being pulled from the movie makers mm-hmm. of, like, this will be a, a moment. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> theor- I mean, realistically, I mean, they 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 spell out that he's the boss of the, at least of that building they're in. Like he's the man, mm-hmm. you know? So it could have been very easy for him to walk up there and say, okay, these bathrooms out here, they're for everybody. Yep. Deal with it, <laughs> you know, and case closed, but that would not, and, and who knows if something like that was going on in real life or, or, or whatever, but it's not quite as monumental as taking a crowbar to a sign and everybody, the hallway's divided, the black women are down on one end and right. the lights are on the other and they're all like just watching us down. It's like, those are the moments that I'm talking about that, yes, I'm very critical of. I mean, if you if you tell me it happened like that and people back it up, then I'm like, okay, whatever. But when you know it's fake and it's just choreographed for the, the motion and stuff, it, it, it does get on my skin terribly bad. Now keep in mind, also, as I'm saying this, you and I are in agreement. This is a PG movie. So, like, Jared, even though you were, you know, you come from a very different uh, educational background because you were, you know, a decade behind me oh, and Josh. Course, yes. I could see this being played for, like, middle schoolers and <clears throat> grade schoolers and being fine. And some of those big moments, I guess you could make the argument, that is if this is geared more towards family film kind of territory, that maybe you need those more bombastic, entertaining points to get your point across well you need highs in the movie because <clears throat> essentially they're doing you know <laughs> sliding abacuses down back and forth and like <laughs> being uh, riveting scientific uh accountants for all uh, you know all intents and purposes like you have to have some sort of excitement in the film while they're oh and then the decimal points do this and then i'm like oh jesus christ get, get that crowbar out again <laughs> Jared hates math. Just like, it's not riveting. Just like, like, look, like, I, Steve, just like Steve Martin in the drink. They hate Ken. Jared, <laughs> Jared hates math. <laughs> look, if we come out of this this particular pairing on this weekend and all Jared hates is math, we're still ahead, gentlemen. There are wor- far worse things to hate in this world. So I, I, think that's a, I think we should move on to accidental courtesy, which is a little more, uh, maybe a little more awkward at times. Because, to uh, the end it is, but not definitely. in the way I expected. <laughs> so the general premise is that you have this guy, Daryl Davis, who's a musician, <clears throat> who I believe he just was a musician. And in his travels, sort of started getting a little bit more politically minded as far as uh, you know his particular lay of the land. And he would come into contact with people from all over, playing all sorts of bars, 
all different. He he apparently is very accomplished and plays all different styles of music. So he uh, he now is apparently more well known for his, I guess, personal crusade because he's not part of any organization, right? I don't think it's. I think it's just I himself. Mean, it, yeah, that as far as what he does in in the film, um, that part of it is certainly just something he does himself. I don't know if he has work with other organizations or not, but no, I think this is his own little personal crusade, as you as you mentioned. So he decides that. He's going to start interacting with KKK members. And I don't know if his purpose is to really befriend them. Initially, it's to have a conversation. And some of them, he ends up, I guess he claims he ends up becoming friends with them. Like, they continue to correspond. It's not just, like, one meeting. It's not yeah. just for a TV show. They'll, they'll, some of these people he's had, like, you know, Years. decades long yeah. yeah, relationships with. Um. Now, I think this is this is a ahead of our time as far as maybe when it would have been like initially newsworthy because they show in this documentary some clips of him on different like looks like eighties style talk shows twenty twenty like or whatever they yeah were. Uh, where it might have been like a huh look at that story isn't that cute <laughs> I, I'm watching this and there's one moment that sticks out for me the most and it's it's when unlike hidden figures you know it does it does come into modern times like we follow him like they're following him now and so during the black lives matter movement that that's that is your uh i guess that's the crowbar scene <laughs> where you see yeah. <laughs> this version i guess of activism come up against a new version of activism and at different points i find either side to be very rude and like challenging just for the cameras including daryl davis himself it's really. I want to drop in the scene because it's really interesting. I actually watched that. I didn't watch the movie multiple times, but I watched that scene multiple times. I mean, I know a little bit about Daryl. What's your perspective on his work? I would just want to know what the end goal is. It's a, for the layman on the patrol projects, who is it receiving all the the ills of white supremacy and, and that hate, right, and on the day to day level? How do they even begin to even think about that conversation that you're engaging in? My end goal is to bring people together. Okay, bring bring white supremacists together with with their nemesis. Unless we learn how to get along with one another, this country is. Well, why I gotta get along with them? Pardon me. Why I gotta get along with them? Because they are our fellow Americans. We all have to live in this country together. Shit. Okay, we we did. Otherwise, we're gonna end up self-destructing. So, what is this museum? What was it for? People like you. Oh okay. no, I'm good. Oh yeah, no, no, you're not good. You ever heard of something called intergenerational trauma? Intergenerational trauma. Yeah, trauma. This trauma passed on from generations through images, symbols, different things like that. So I have a daughter. She's one years old. However, whenever the museum gets built, let's say she's 15, okay. there's no way in hell I'm bringing her there so she can relive that and see all of that. No, not at all. What's the point? Because in order to know where you're going, you have to know where you came from. White folks need to go see that. How many roads have you collected? Roughly, I'd say maybe 25, 26. How long you was doing it for? Uh, since about 1990. And you only got 26 you only got robes. 25 robes? You asked me about you robes. Made... You didn't say clan memorabilia. I got tons of stuff. So since 1990, which is longer than I've been alive, you've been trying to infiltrate the clan. But what okay. does that do for people? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what it does, okay? The state of Maryland had a large clan organization. Mm-hmm. 
when the Imperial Wizard, which means the national leader, uh -huh. when he turned in his robe to me, the Maryland Ku Klux Klan fell apart. Today, there is no more Ku Klux Klan. I beg to differ. Let me finish. Today, they, well, you can't because I, I got the facts. Okay? Uh -huh. Today, there is no more Ku Klux Klan in the state of Maryland. Infiltrating the Klan ain't freeing your people. I disagree with you. I, I, I don't see how. What about uh, Timothy McVeigh? I don't He's in jail. Oh, he is? Oh, he wasn't he killed? Something like that. So what? Well, obviously, you're very uneducated about it. I mean, and you uneducated about the reality of the, most of the people that look like you. Every day on the hour, young black men and women are being smashed and kidnapped off the streets. They're ruining people's lives, right? Not rehabilitating them and sending them right back in the same neighborhoods that are already screwed up anyway. So when you say, oh, well, we need to be worried about something, about somebody growing something up. No, somebody's getting locked up right now that's 16 years old that never may see the light of day again just because they look like my skin or, or Kwame's skin or your skin for that matter. So, did, I'm mean, we're talking about the energy that you're putting into all them years. That's a whole lot of years to be doing that, to be studying. It's not like a fetish. Befriending a white person who don't have to go through the same struggles as you, me, the son in the barbershop, or that father, that's not an accomplishment. That's a new friend. That's somebody you can call. And this is coming from a dropout. You don't tell Steve Jobs he ain't successful. He ain't have no college degree. Bill Gates ain't got no college degree. But listen, but what I got, what I, the way I'm like disrespectful now. The way you could be in the streets building with people, right? So stop wasting your time going into people's houses that don't love you, a house where they want to throw you under the basement. So you believe that nobody can change? No, you, I believe you believe the wrong people can change. What do you mean the wrong people can change? White supremacists can't change. You don't believe they can change? No, white supremacists can't change. But I can change your mind because you look like me. You ain't doing nothing but collecting something that's going to build your own credibility. You're nothing but a pimp in a pulpit. And you're nothing but ignorant. And uh, I don't know if you all read up on it, but that actually, there's like a new twist of that story that continued on after the film was released hmm. as well, as far as how that went. So I'll, I'll find the clip and I'll drop it in here and we can kind of talk about that a little bit. But I guess I'll toss it. I don't know which one of you want to go first, but uh, first off, do you agree with his own sort of personal form of activism or this, where, where it is a strictly personal relationship between one man and another man as far as coming at it from two distinctly different beliefs, a black man and then someone who's a part of an organization that uh, would usually not be friends <clears throat> with an African-American man. Uh, well, I'll dive in because I, I'll say I think... Because Jared looks like Jim Parsons. <laughs> Jared looks like Jim Parsons. <laughs> Doing a little bit of that John Ritter from Bad Santa face, that, you know, puckering his face up like I don't, don't, don't pass to me. Uh, but pass to me. But I actually like getting to know Daryl Davis in this movie. Like I freaking love this guy. I, I think um, what he's doing is incredibly important. You know, you you mentioned earlier about how he kind of fell into this, and I think in the movie he kind of gives its origins in the fact of you know when he was a child because they. Um, lived in a lot of different countries growing up that he didn't face a lot of the same types of racism during those years. So when he finally did come back to the States, he tells the story about the, uh, doing a march with the, the Cub Scouts and getting hit in the head with bottles and cans and rocks and not understanding why. And his parents had explained to him that, you know, people weren't going to like him just because of the color of his skin. And from there, he basically said, you know, that, riddled me he's like I, at first i thought they were lying he's like because that just seems so 
silly. You know, like there, there's no way that people were judging other people just based upon the color of their skin. So he said, I, I wanted to understand why people hated me without even knowing me. He's like, so I, I figured who better to ask than than the people who hate me. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of what kickstarts his wanting to get to know like these different clans members is I want to sit down and have a conversation with them and, and find out where does this come from? How how can you hate me without even knowing me? So <clears throat> I just think that is um, a wonderful expression of communication that we've seen in this movie of how he is so willing to give people a platform to speak and he he listens to them. It, you know, he doesn't like everything he hears and he's not a pushover. You know, he'll sternly uh, respond back, but he he's not he's not interrupting them he's not becoming rude he's not <laughs> he's not a millennial screaming in their face you know uh <laughs> the get the sense that uh, Josh is going to have a lot to say on that clip that I've got <laughs> uh, I have a feeling. uh but the 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 fact that he is I, I, the the gentleman you're talking about and even the uh, uh there was a there was a white man and I cannot remember his name or what his role was. He seemed to be part of like an organization that had. I think it was part of the uh, Southern Poverty Law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scam. That they Lucas. really down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bizarro George Lucas. Um, they were really downplaying his work, and they they seemed to just be like, uh, "Hey, your way is too slow. It's uh, it's not reaching enough people. We want to just wipe out racism across the board." And. I just think which we've done already. I saw <laughs> hidden figures. It's over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's a fool's errand if you think you're going to wave a magic wand or just say this angry enough speech or march enough that you're just going to make it go away or not. I think this dude completely has the right mindset as to how we should all be trying to be as individuals. Because I don't think his approach is just a racism approach. I think you could take this towards anybody who has differences over, you know. It, it, it's a good approach to hate, you know, whether it be religion, whether it be just any, you know, anything, anything that divides us, basically just <laughs> calming down and chilling out <laughs> and listen to the other person speak. Um, you'll probably determine that you have a lot of common ground and maybe it puts some of your fears aside. Maybe it puts some of your own prejudices and ignorance aside. And man, I, I, I think we're just like living in a day and age where like, that that message needs to be like ran home more so than ever because right now just everything is a shouting match. Like it's just it's exhausting. <laughs> the social well, media, just, the the news. Just everything. do what I do. Just start a podcast I, where you have a format. Yep. Everyone has their turn to speak. You, you can't shout over each other because it makes for terrible editing. <laughs> I just don't want to do it. I want everyone to have their time. That's it. No crosstalk. So uh, Josh had his say. Jared. Josh was pro Daryl Davis. Now your viewpoint pro KKK. Oh, thank you. I, you didn't set me up there at all. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed your oh, thank oh, you. <laughs> so sweet. Um, I, I I admire what Daryl is doing, but I think he maybe should have had more of an arm's length um, association with these people. Like I understand it. It would go a long way for showing that there's redemption in everybody and that everybody can change. That 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 gives you that like it's not a black or white issue. It's a gray issue of there's people out there that just need to be, uh, is undoctrinated the word. I don't know. Um, but I think he gets a little bit too close. Like I, 
I don't know if I could be friends with somebody that their whole angle was dehumanizing an entire race of people. Or you and, in particular. Or me Let's in particular. Let's just say there was an, yeah. anti, an anti-Jared club. Which exists right now. <laughs> we actually do have. Two members. The president and vice president. <laughs> you assholes. On the show. Yeah, yeah, I break bread you're, with you're you You're not proving your point very well, Jared. You're, you're hanging out with the enemy as you speak. Well, I'm a prisoner of my own kindness. <laughs> This this is Jared's accidental curse. Sober cinema is him <laughs> trying to change don't our mind. Don't be uh, confused. I hate both of you a lot. Um, <laughs> Actually, here okay. Here's a lot of the criticism I've seen. I I get it because <clears throat> I, I agree with Josh. Where it's like, okay, what's wrong with this guy? Like, if it is slow, so what? He's not proclaiming. He's not saying he's got a timestamp here where it's like he's trying to meet. Like he was trying to get this racism thing solved by the year two thousand. I think he's. He's treating it as a personal one-on-one thing, and it is it is meant to be slow. It's not meant to be a sweeping, you know, trending Twitter tag that suddenly, because we've had plenty of those, and nothing really, I don't think anything gets better, no. usually. But, to Jared's point, I do agree that it's almost like a, uh, like, you know, when you go, when you get charged with a crime, you know, you don't have to prove your innocence. And I feel like where I I agree and I'm slightly anti Daryl Davis as far as that viewpoint is, he shouldn't have to prove that he's human to these people. Like they're they're the ones in the wrong. Like there's they're not the ones that's like we need to coddle them into thinking that he has the right to just breathe air. Like if they don't want to hang out with him, that's fine. But the the interesting dynamic of this movie and why I think it is a great watch is that they they eventually come around to the idea of hanging out with this dude. So mm-hmm. it's like okay, <laughs> so if you're okay with hanging out with him, <laughs> like. It almost like I understand the Josh, the younger viewpoint where it's like, well, it should happen faster then. Cause if they're having a beer with you, like there, there's a scene. If you're on, if you go to IMDb right now, one of the pictures that scrolls past is him shaking hands with a guy in a purple wizard fairy dragon thing that he's got on. And it's like, okay, so if you've been friends with for a decade, you are you still not around to the idea that, you know, this, if you can apply, well, Daryl's a pretty good guy that that applies to the spectrum of this race in particular? Well, you see, I, I do think it's more nuanced than that. And the movie, I think, even breaks some of that down. Oh, I got nuance for days, son. I'm coming <laughs> <through> with that. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, they show him, you know, interacting with several different uh, members of, of the wizard. And, uh, not wizard. <laughs> they, I, I kind I of like the idea of him like hanging out with a bunch of the Harry Potter wizards, <laughs> converting from dark. You magic. know what? I, you're you're right. I concede my point because I am talking about people that call themselves such names and dress in this attire where they are well, the grandmaster wizard. That's the point I was about to make. Yeah. Is that it, it's interesting hearing you and Jared say it like that because the way I I read it, watching it even more so, but I, I've always felt that way about it too. Is you're talking about people with, with an issue. There's something not. If, if you can, they're stupid. You see? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not saying stupid. I mean, there's there's something actually just kind of broken in your head. If I am now playing that clip from My Brother Where Art Thou, which we all watched together and laughed our ass off when George Clooney and company stumble across a KKK thing and they're doing that chant and dance, and we all laughed. <laughs> then you have to think, you're like, no wait, that was a real thing. They did this stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> danced around in their little capes yeah, and sing yeah. songs. <laughs> but that's 
that's the they thing. They got no taste, Josh. Is that's that, the thing. I, I, I think Daryl Davis is looking at it as <laughs> these are broken individuals. I mean, he's looking at them, I think, the same as you look at an alcoholic or a drug user who's, like, being, you know, rehabilitated. He's looking at it as I'm the bigger person here. These people... You know, they are eat up with this, and I'm going to help them. I'm going to befriend them and help them. Because that's absolutely how I see it, is he is tackling the illness head on in, in this, you know, ra- you know, race relations problem we're having. You, as to, like, what those young black men and the argument he has with them, how they're like, do you not know how much you could do for the black community during all this time? It's like... Well, yeah, but the race issues will still be there. You know, if if we don't start breaking through to the people that don't agree with us, uh, he makes that argument in the movie. He's like, you know, you can preach to the choir all day long. It doesn't change anything. Mm-hmm. They, are, sure. they already agree with you. You have to actually challenge the people who don't agree with you. And that's what he's doing. And, you know, it's like that old saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You can't do it in one big bite. And that, if everybody... Dude, this is why I set Josh up as the elder statesman, the old man of the show. <laughs> That's <it's>... right. <laughs> Here's my film letterbox review. How do you eat an elephant <laughs> one bite at a time? Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, if if you had multiple multiple people that had the patience and kind of the wisdom that this dude has and just approached everybody with that type of communication, I think you would see wider results. And I, I don't think he's befriending himself with them just to try to get cozy with like, hey, I'm I'm cozy with ex-Clan members. I think he looks at it as, no. You don't like having that on your resume, Josh? Having what on my resume? <laughs> I have so many KKK members <laughs> <with> my <laughs> yeah. friends. Yeah, that's probably not a good thing to have on your resume. Uh, <clears throat> unless you're, I don't know, in a southern state. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> First off, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you, sir? There have been movies made like The Help that have shown that's not the case. I'm baking you a pie but, right now. Yeah. But no, I... I, I, I poop pie. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> I, I really do think Daryl Davis looks at it as, you know, I have made a friendship with this person, and you know, by working with them, they have disconnected from this poisonous thing. And not only do I consider them a friend, but I want to nurture their, you know, <laughs> better choices. And I, I don't think it would be a very positive thing if he befriended them just enough to make them question it and leave and things like, all right, screw you. You used to be part of the clan. No more talking. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, I, I don't expect Mr. Davis to be a love them and leave them type where he, he just uses them for their <laughs> their robes. Give me your robes. <laughs> Oh my god. I think why I like that scene so much was I initially hated I have to be careful because this even though I edit this podcast. <laughs> easy. easy. <laughs> I hated I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say I hated the Black Lives Matter <laughs> people. I am gonna say that they initially in that scene I, I immediately wrote them off. I was like, alright guys are full shit like why are you picking on this dude for how he wants to like he's not stopping you from how you do your thing like why why do you have such an agitation with him as far as trying that approach because your approach as josh thing says was to kind of scream at people Mm -hmm. and scream over them and to make people feel bad about themselves and i'm not saying in general i'm saying in this instance they are trying to make him kind of feel bad Mm -hmm. about like his his if you want to call that part of his life's work it literally turns into a shouting match but What's interesting interesting about the scene is that I do think in that moment that Daryl Davis, who has this great ability to set aside his ego 
and is able to talk to people who, when he first meets them, hate him simply for the color of his skin, doesn't have that same patience. And I, I don't know if it's an age thing, because he's quite a bit older, and these the people he's talking to, while they're also black men, are quite a bit younger. But it seems like he, that's the first time, like, I saw him be far more patient with a crusty old white dude that is just like, I don't, I don't believe in your kind. I don't believe in you. You shouldn't even be sitting here with me. And with them, he seems to kind of, the fuse seems to go up. Now, he doesn't get up and, like, challenge them to fisticuffs. He still seems far more restrained that moment. But I thought that was that was interesting. And as part of a follow-up, they actually did. They did the, the point of the movie, which is they continued to talk. So, and they actually went to a screening together. So you have Daryl Davis and Black Lives Matter activist Kwame Rose, who talked about it. And they actually talked about that particular moment as a fault on both of their priorities as far as how to win hearts and minds. And the fact that it was two people that have the same end goal, but couldn't even, they couldn't even convince someone who has the same priority as them, which I found <clears throat> fascinating. I, I do find that fascinating. And I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go to bat for Mr. Davis again a little bit here. Uh, <laughs> of course you will. <laughs> well, no, but here, here's how I'll explain it. Because I do think it would have been his better interest to have remained calm, just, just as you mentioned, as he does with the <laughs> much worse enemies, you know, right. and everything. But I could also see the mindset of like, okay, when you enter enemy territory you know you're going to be shot at you know mm. you got all that okay. versus when you're sitting down with people you're like yeah man I'm, we're working together I'm, I'm doing this you know to like better your cause and, and all that and then those just are just to be fair to him to your point there's an earlier scene where they meet in the streets and he's like the same guy that ends up having a pretty heated exchange with him is like you know at first I thought you were crazy when I heard about you yeah. but as they're saying they're talking he's like well that's kind of interesting yeah but it's not until they later on they're sitting down with a group of them that it becomes it escalates very quickly right very quickly right. In that scene and it's it's not just that they disagree but I mean they're pretty quick to throw shade at him just all the way around of like and, and I'm, I'm sure in Daryl Davis feels like you know he has really tried hard in his life to try to do a very philosophically sound and good thing and to have maybe some of the people that the very people he's hoping to make life better for to sit there and kind of basically spit in the face of it <laughs> and and talk down to it. i could i could see how emotions might would be quicker to rise maybe become a little bit more defensive per usual jared do you feel that way with uh the two jared haters here do you feel like you've just given give and give well just you know extrapolate that uh, conversation over about 25 30 years and <laughs> there's no real anger or like blow-ups anymore at, i mean every now and then but uh you know it's just pretty much you, you you whenever you play against somebody in a sports you know setting you know their moves you know what's coming you know how to counteract <laughs> so you know you know joust back and forth if you will there was some uh there was some fun, funny moments in this movie that I did not expect I, th this was the type of movie I, I thought would have a moment where I would laugh in it and I think maybe my hardest laugh came when um it was a, a previous clansman named Greg that he was speaking to on his porch and they revealed that like uh Greg had uh, gotten promoted to like I don't know it was like Titan or whatever. It was like a leader over the whole whatever. county. Something D &D stupid. Something they stupid. Chose <laughs> which, which is... <laughs> I'm now a kobold. Yeah. I'm a kobold the ultimate goblin. <laughs> but he had already been somewhat befriended by Daryl Davis before he got promoted. 
and they they literally said that like he was unsure of what the new responsibilities were and was too afraid to ask because he didn't want to look stupid. So he calls up Daryl Davis to find out what his new responsibilities are for the clan to hate black people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know more than I do. Just tell me. I, and I think what job did I get? As silly as that is, is that that's kind of a perfect definition of what what the relationship here is in this movie that's that's what you're dealing with in a lot of these cases some people are more eat up with hate some of them are just kind of eat up with a little bit more ignorance and they're just kind of led, led astray and our superhero daryl davis is there to bring them back home baby uh you know he very much talks about how it was based on his own secure insecurities and stuff that he didn't even have like a racist problem really that it was just they took him in and and just bored. Yeah, yeah. He got to be part of his brotherhood, and and so then he. So it almost kind of makes it worse, to be honest. Well, yeah, it don't. It doesn't excuse it by any means. Like, you don't I even have believe nothing in to this. do. So I, just to get, get, get. <laughs> I made my. It makes it worse, yeah, but it, it kind of gives you an idea of how uh, Daryl Davis's approach makes sense because some of these people just need to be communicated with and. Uh, it's not meant to sympathize for them because, I mean, it's a terrible thing they're doing. It doesn't excuse it. But if you have a solution that works, then we should be using it. And if that means giving them a listening ear, that way they open up communications a little bit more. I, I just, I'm, I firmly believe that that is a problem with like everything, everything political today, our climate is that everybody just wants to shout over one another. Nobody listens to one another, you know, except on podcasts. I don't know. We do a pretty good job here. We're, we're... <clears throat> That's what I'm saying. You get on a podcast, you're on your best behavior because you're concerned about the sound quality. Yes, you yes. A, you have an end product. That's right. An end goal. <clears throat> uh, I don't know. Jared, do you find – I struggle with this back and forth, and I, I, don't, I don't know where I stand on it. <laughs> Not the race relations <laughs> thing, but the <laughs> – as I said, I'm glad I'm the editor because if <laughs> – if Jared would have his ultimate revenge on me if he was like, you know what, Mike, I'll take, I'll edit this episode. <laughs> I'll cut up what you said. I had a big problem with Black Lives Matter. I still don't know where I stand on this. What? Black people, you know. Um, <laughs> but to what Josh was saying about making an effort to not surround yourself, but open your door to people who view things differently. And I'm not even talking about necessarily like, you know, if you're a black man, go hang out at whatever Lions no, Club paint it as, that the KKK is. As broad as liberals and conservatives. You know, a lot of people just travel in their own circles and only hear the feedback loop from their own thought process right. and stuff. Mingle a little bit. You know, be open to hearing what they say. Here's the counter to that. It is your life, too. And it's like there is so many so many hours in the day. So that's why I'm tossing it, Jared, because I know this is a conversation you have. I have. I've had about just different things, mm -hmm. not even politics, but Jared, just like, you know, for someone that just goes to a job and comes home, like how much punishment do you want to put yourself through as far as like, all right, let me, let me load up Twitter and try to communicate with someone <laughs> that called me a oh, fucking idiot. Oh, I don't or... think you can do it on Twitter. I don't think you can, I don't, I think social media has to be taken out of this equation. <laughs> well, I guess that's another layer of it that we didn't really get into, but he seems to have, you know, a much better life than somebody that, you know, is one of these Black Lives Matter supporters that he's, you know, been more well-traveled, more, um, I don't know, privileged, sure. if you will, that he's had a better life. So it looks, 
He he's been a little bit more good. Well, he has an avenue, right? Yeah, he has. He has an avenue to meet different yeah. people, and he like with his job, as you're saying, he could go somewhere else. He doesn't have to like let me take a week's worth of vacation mm-hmm. this year and go talk to, go to hang the out Ku Klux with KKK Klan, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting off on my vacation today. And going to the Ku Klux Klan to listen to your shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, I I would also argue that like I don't think. He is necessarily suggesting, I know as an admirer of what he's doing, I'm not suggesting that everybody needs to take it to that extreme. <laughs> like, of Just a bit, Josh. You're like, I'm not doing that either. <laughs> I, dude, I mean. I'm just going to wait for accidental courtesy hey, two to come out. Good that, on you, that dude's got some coho- <laughs> That dude's got some cojones to put himself into that position, no, no doubt. But, I mean, there, there's social interactions we have every day where you can choose, like, I'm not going to uh, enter- entertain discussion from that human being. Versus, what would it hurt to just you know set my my anxieties and my and my emotions aside for long enough just to like listen to what they say, try to understand where they're coming from. That way, when I see the flaw in it, when I see where I can challenge them, I can joust back. You know, that's because I, I actually love like friendly debate. Like when when we've had like conversations over a beer or something, sitting around talking because we have different political ideologies ourselves, religious ones and whatnot. I enjoy good, friendly, you know, debate. But I, the last thing, on the on the complete opposite, I hate the shouting matches. Uh, this outrage culture, I, I can't handle it. But I think it's fun to talk and try to challenge other people and allow yourself to be challenged by what you hear. You know, it may not change yeah. broad strokes, but it might make you change small things. Even if nothing else, maybe you understand. I think there's a lot of places where we can say, maybe we disagree on this, but we can both say that we want the best for everybody and we just see two different ways of well, getting there. You understand and... you're talking to another person. Yeah. Whereas yeah. something like Twitter, even if let's say you're, you and I are having a one-on-one conversation about how hyped you are for accidental courtesy two to come out. Yeah. And then you're not, we're not just talking to each other. We're also talking to whoever follow us, yeah. follows us and they could jump in and be like, Josh, you're a fucking idiot. Mike rules or vice versa. <laughs> right. but probably, probably the four. <laughs> <or something later>. <laughs> <laughs> What I'm getting at, though, is that social media is far more performative where you're putting mm-hmm. on some sort of act because – and that's one thing. I don't use it that much for, like, conversation. Like, the people that I found myself, like, tweeting with a lot, I would just be like, hey, here's my phone number. Yeah. You can just text me or whatever because right. I, I don't need to try to debate – not even debate, but just say, hey, man, did you check out this movie? And then suddenly I have seven other people calling me a shithead. For, for asking such an innocuous question and I'm, I'm being a bit hyperbolic but you can see where that thing snowballs where you're just trying to have as you said a conversation over a beer and then suddenly you are having to like put in concrete this is what i believe in this very moment and it's almost, you become far more defensive i think with when you add more people which actually in that scene when it's not one-on-one, I think that's part of what contributes to that problem right. with the, the younger activists. It's not just one person having a conversation with another young man. It's a group of them, and it does start to feel like an attack mm-hmm. on Daryl Davis. I sympathize I with Probably him. Probably like Jared yeah. feels. <laughs> I definitely sympathize with him having to talk to idiots on a weekly basis. You know, I did uh, – I listened <clears throat> almost by accident, Jared. I was looking for different files to edit, and I had mislabeled one. Um, and so I clicked on it, like, oh, this is what I'm looking for. And it was actually you and I talking about, uh, Rampage with The Rock for about 45 <laughs> yeah. minutes. All the, what well, was, uh, Every Which Way But Loose and Rampage. Oh, that was great. <laughs> Let me tell you, Josh, it did have me thinking, you know, 
I was like, maybe Josh is the problem. Because I was like, man, me and Jared, it was such a pleasant exchange. Everyone was, he was so happy. One-on-one with either but one I of you, say... it's fine. But to get the two of you together and you become Beavis and Butthead, I don't know what it is. You like Beavis and Butthead. Who doesn't like Beavis and Butthead? We see, a lot more than you two. That's why I'm misled, because that's... <laughs> That's where I was mistaken because I read Jared's secret diary and it said he loved being tag teamed. Tough room, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Jared. I'm just uh, instantly thinking, like, do I leave that in? Leave it in? What sound effects? What sound effects do I play with it? Like, are we gonna become like one of those terrible like FM uh, shock say. jock things? Boner in the morning. The uh, well, on that note, boners in the morning. Um, I don't know what would be most offensive to say there. I'm voting hidden figures. No, that would be sexist. They're, and then if I say I'm voting for Daryl Davis, from, on that note of boners in the morning, can't win here. Uh, I'll just, you know what? I'll just say I enjoyed both movies, but I'll start us off for the premise of this show. I think that Accidental Courtesy as a Forgotten Film deserves a little bit more uh, publicity and acclaim and people checking it out than something like Hidden Figures, which is, <clears throat> I really enjoyed it, but I don't think there's like one individual scene that had me sort of like kicking around in my mind like Accidental Courtesy. So that, that's where my vote's going to go for this episode. Uh, yeah, uh, just from just from a pure movie enjoyment sake, they're, they're both good. They're, they're both good movies. Um uh, accidental courtesy is a you know the type of documentary that you find yourself being entertained to watch and uh i guess where i draw the line is is like as far as like the topic of you know race relations i, I don't think hidden figures is bringing much to the table I, I appreciate that they're telling me the story of these uh three black women that i didn't know their story before and i think that's good that that's a that's a good thing and, and i'm glad that's out there but like it's not challenging you though? it's not tackling anything new or challenging anybody's you know thought process on anything uh whereas i, I certainly think daryl davis like it's kind of odd for me because i think he's like a home run boner in the morning like dude i'm i'm on board but like even amongst ourselves there's there there's varying differences between like, just the three of us on how on board with him we are and you see within the movie that apparently even amongst the black community itself that they're not necessarily all on board with how or what he's doing, but it's challenging to say the least. And, uh, I, I think challenging in a way where somebody's trying to do something that beneficial, I think is, you know, that should be seen. That should be viewed more. Look, I'll speak for the hidden figures. I'm sorry. Getting us to the moon was not good enough for you, but Daryl Davis hanging out with <laughs> cobalt brother. Number seven. Sure. <laughs> Super Totten. <laughs> Jared, at the end of this, I want you to give me one good, like, shock doc boner comment. Because I'm going to put them all over Josh's comments. <laughs> like, right after, like a guitar string. <laughs> when you say Daryl Davis is a home run for you, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I need Jared to have one. one good sound clip. <laughs> um, yeah, it's accidental courtesy. Uh, you guys have mostly said everything that needs to be said about it, but... I will say that it's um, a wide range of uh, feelings that I had about Daryl through the through the movie. 
you know, it, it would go from, you know, this guy is an idiot. Why is he wasting his time to then you see him actually make a change. It's like, well, maybe it's worth it if you can just get these people to see the light. You know, it's 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 an interesting documentary in that I think it challenges both sides. I think it um, there's something to be learned for, you know, pretty much everybody that should watch this, whether you, you know, like we said, I don't totally agree with everything he does, but I. You know, like you said, I'll sit down to the table and watch the movie and, you know, have my own opinions about it. You going to scream at him? No, I'll, I'll leave that for you, too. I'm not going to scream at Daryl Davis. He's my best friend. <laughs> He's a gentleman. So I was just throwing the pitch right down the middle there. That's it. <coughs> at Sober Cinema. <laughs> Where we all love each other. <laughs> Scotch on the rocks, please. Any scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, single malt, Glenlivet, Glenfiddich. <clears throat> All right, dude. Um, just give me one good, just the boner, same whatever. Just... Boner in the morning. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Daryl Davis is a home run for me immediately. <laughs> Oh, goodness. <laughs>